If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisntdead.com. This wasn't in my plan. It wasn't anything I thought I would ever do. You won't hear from me. Not for a long time. Alice, how did it get from there to here? What were the series of events? I see each moment as a knot in this length of time, and it feels like if I tried hard enough I could unwind them, correcting each mistake until I found my way back to where it all started and finally free us all. But that is not what's going to happen. Instead, I have been pursued, hunted, until I have no choice but to do this. <sighs> Goodbye, Alice. Maybe when we're both old women, your hand can again rest in mine. <laughs> I'd like that. I don't believe it, necessarily. But I'd like that. Alice Isn't Dead by Joseph Fink Performed by Jessica Nicole Produced by Disparition Part 2, Chapter 9, Pray Kentucky in spring White buds on the trees, yellow flowers in the fields I haven't seen a sign of that woman since the farmhouse But certainly I don't feel safe I don't think I've ever felt safe in my life. Not all the way down. And now even my surface is turbulent water. Every shadow. Every turn in the road. Somewhere around Horse Cave, I noticed a car. A puke green sedan, its passenger side door a slightly lighter puke green. It hung behind me for a couple of hours, and I tensed myself more and more into a panic, but then I looked and it was gone. These long-distance drives, it's not unusual to see fellow travelers for hours at a time, only to lose them at their exit. I'm reading too much into the usual rhythm of the road. I looked up Horse Cave, by the way. I mean, great name. In this cave, there is a horse. You may ask the horse any question, and it will answer truthfully. But choose wisely, as you may only ask once. There are no horses in Horse Cave. It's an actual cave, though, right in the middle of town. 
What is in the cave is a stream that used to provide the town's water until they accidentally dumped a bunch of sewage in there. The smell was so bad that folks couldn't even walk on that side of the street. So, good name, though. Caves are a bigger thing in Kentucky than I realized. There are advertisements for all sorts of activities you can do in caves. Zip lining, boating. If you can do it in the outside world, in Kentucky, you can do it in a cave. I saw the green sedan again, near Burnt Prairie, after the river between Kentucky and Illinois, marked by a railroad bridge with half of its length lost to the water. The sedan was driving erratically, switching from lane to lane, but always staying behind me. I lost track of it again an hour later. Just a fellow traveler, I told myself. There is no need for concern, I lied. All is well, I laughably asserted. Farmhouses with a perfectly tended square of lawn surrounded by massive acreage of crops. Is a farmhouse close to the highway considered worse than the farmhouses I could only see as dots in the distance? Where's the line between privacy and convenience? Guess it depends on how often you plan to leave home. It'd be nice to have a home to leave. The green car comes and goes, over hours and then days. I keep seeing it, driving as though drunk or having recently met an irate wasp. Then I see it crashed, badly, into a tree. There's no one inside. No ambulance or police. I can't tell how long it's been there. Nothing seems right about this, but what can I do but keep moving? What could I ever do? The behavior of Bay and Creek in letting me live, and Thistle in trying to kill me, leaves me with one conclusion. That I have an important role in this war. And it must be one that only I can do, because frankly anyone would be better than me. I'm an anxious mess, and if they needed steady hands, mine aren't. Let's start with this. There is a war. To understand my role in the war, I need to understand the war itself, which I don't. I understand Thistle. They are monsters, plain and simple. They're hungry and they feed. Their ways are ways of wickedness. But why is the U.S. government hiding them? And Bay and Creek. Again, in one way, the motive is easily understood. There are literal monsters on these roads. Any good person, given that situation, would want to fight back. If evil, then good, somewhere, will stand against it. But Bayon Creek is powerful, and it is rich. Where are they getting the money and supplies to wage this war?
Who was behind them? A battle of good versus evil, fine, but I want to know who the good is. Alice, did you know? Or did you proceed on faith because you knew the other side was so monstrous? Stopped at the Loves near Sioux City. In the bathroom, a stainless steel vending machine selling knockoff perfume. The idea was you put in your money, select your knockoff, and then the machine directly sprays you with it. <laughs> Jesus. No, thank you. Paid for a shower. In the stall, there was a movement in the side of my vision. I kept turning to see it, in the steam in the tiny room, but it would be gone by the time I looked. As the steam grew, as my view of the walls faded, I became certain I was standing in the center of a vast space, and from the other side of this space, a woman in a police uniform was running at me. I kept flinching, waiting for the blow. An older man filled a travel mug of coffee the size of a keg. The cashier gave him a refill rate. Rests are required by law, but we are a profession that depends on artificial energy. We are paid by the mile, not by the hour. So every moment you don't move is a moment you are away from the place you call home and the people you love for free. You can feel it. The itch letting you know that all of this time you are spending, filling the gas tank, taking that shower, that is all time you are not being compensated for. And so we drink coffee after coffee. It jitters through us as we curse a traffic jam for lowering our hourly rate enough to mean the difference between being able to pay a bill and not pay it. I saw a woman spill an entire cup of coffee down the front of a man's shirt. He glared at her, but she just laughed and shrugged. Hey, we're truck drivers, she said. We're always covered in the stuff anyway. After and outside, as I considered whether to burn up more time getting my filthy truck washed, I looked up. Far across the lot, a woman was walking toward me. She wasn't moving with urgency, but her casual loping walk was aimed directly toward me. I decided I didn't need anything else from this place, and I got in my truck and started the slow maneuvering to leave. The woman continued her steady walk toward me. As I pulled out of the lot, I saw in the mirror that she changed her trajectory to follow the turn of my truck. Hours later, on the road, I had the horrible feeling that she was still behind me somewhere, still slowly walking, never wavering in the direction of her steps. Alice, as long as I'm asking you questions, do you have any idea what it is they wanted me for? I hope not, 
because the thought that you knew that I would be involved and then hid that from me is the most painful thought of all. If it was something I could already do, then Bay and Creek would have tried to guide me to it, right? So it must be a matter of timing, or, or else I'm not ready yet to do it. Unless, by the very nature of what I must do, I cannot be guided. I must find it on my own. Ugh. This is useless. I'm not going to be able to guess what my role in this is. And seeking out something when you don't know what it is, is indistinguishable from random wandering. So I'm left with only one option. I must wait. But I must wait mindfully. Search the moments for that moment that I'm, without knowing, waiting to recognize. I hope, for my sake, and for your sake, Alice, and for the sake of us all, that I'll recognize that moment when it comes. Iowa looks how you think Iowa would look. I don't mean this as an insult. In a life like mine, when something turns out to be as promised, that is already a major victory. There are fields and flats, a road, a sky. It is not a complicated landscape. But aren't I due some simplicity in my life? I stopped for breakfast at a small restaurant in a town that was mostly the restaurant. On the bulletin board in the waiting area, a flyer for a car repair place in a town called Fertile, Iowa, advertised that, quote, we speak female. <laughs> I take back the nice things I said about this state. An hour later on the highway, I noticed a fellow truck, blue as the sky, driving erratically. It sped past, and as it did, I looked over and had trouble processing what I saw. Covering the entire driver's side window was a series of cardboard signs, handwritten. All of them said, I not bad boy. I couldn't see the driver because of the signs. It fell behind me again, but in the glare, I couldn't see through the windshield. It passed and fell behind a few more times, and then I lost track of it. I'm still so fascinated by the approach to sex stores in places that identify as conservative. Because they are really in your face with the sex stores. There's a huge one right by the highway, with big signs advertising showgirls and a men's spa. How does that kind of open attitude translate with the proudly conservative culture of the rest of it? It's a strange dynamic. I passed a fireworks store called Sad Sam's Fireworks, and the sign was a huge neon face of a crying clown. I've seen some horrifying sights on my journey, but I don't think anything prepared me for that. That blue truck again. This time its entire windshield plastered with the same signs. Cardboard, tattered 
I not bad boy. What? What the fuck? Now it's on my tail. Honking every few minutes. Alice, I am very, very worried. Ate lunch at the Cracker Barrel. They have a cheesecake that is 1,500 calories for a single serving. I had trouble wrapping my head around that. <sighs> oh shit! Oh shit! <sighs> Two days later, I've been off the radio. Didn't want to talk again until I was closer to where I needed to be. I went back into the Cracker Barrel to pee, and when I came out, that blue truck was there. Every inch of its windows plastered in those signs. I not bad boy. The doors were open, and standing on the hood of the cab was the woman in the ramshackle police uniform. Her chin was stained with blood, and when she saw me, she started howling. Not like an animal, like an alarm. She locked eyes, and with no change in her expression, started a mechanical howling over and over. I ran for my cab. She didn't chase. I started the engine, started driving. She stayed on the cab, dripping blood onto the blue hood, howling. This wasn't in my plan. It wasn't anything I thought I would ever do. There is nowhere I can go in this country that she cannot follow. She can smell me, she said, and maybe she can. I've taken to filling my cab with Heather, and the smell is making me a bit sick. But every little bit helps. I'd rather be less scared and more nauseous than the other way around. So here's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to leave the country. I'm ditching the truck. I'm leaving behind the radio. It'll be a long time before you hear from me again. I won't say which border. I'm leaving everything behind. I'll leave behind my identity. I'll, I'll disappear into the cities where no one thinks twice about a stranger. My role in this war will become apparent with waiting, and it is better I wait somewhere anonymous and safe than continue to play dice with the universe looking to see me dead. You won't hear from me. Not for a long time. Alice, how did it get from there to here? What were the series of events? I have no particular plan for when I will return. Maybe it will be a few months from now, but more probably years. Alice, I believe in what you're doing. I don't understand it, but if when I am 70 years old, the call finally comes, I will return 
hope it won't be that long. But it could be even longer. I'll be a different person by the time I come back. And so will you. We will be different. Older people. I hope those people like each other. <sighs> okay. Okay. <sighs> Goodbye for a long, long... Oh! Ah! Hey, Keisha. Why don't we go somewhere quiet, where we can talk? If you are listening to this show and thinking, man, I wish I could make something like Alice Isn't Dead, but I don't know where to start, I have some great news. Start With This is my brand new podcast that I'm making with my Welcome to Night Vale co-creator, Jeffrey Craner, that is designed for writers and artists like you. Each episode, we discuss an artistic topic, everything from something straightforward like dialogue to something as general as how to go from your big idea to the basic practical execution of that idea. And then we give our listeners two assignments, something to consume and something to create. We believe that the best way to start writing is to start writing. Not sure where to begin? Start with this. Find it today in your favorite podcast app or at startwiththispodcast.com. And now, a knock knock joke. Knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange. Yeah. Uh, orange who? Orange. Do you know how late it is? Who are you? Orange. I have a gun. This has been a production of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
Within the Wires is an immersive fiction podcast by Janina Mathewson and Night Vale co-creator Jeffrey Craner. Each season, we unfold a brand new story strictly via found audio from an alternate 20th century. Season 4, The Cradle, is a story about a mother and daughter as they attempt to lead a family-centric commune surviving on the fringes of society. Subscribe to Within the Wires at nightvalepresents.com or wherever you get your podcasts.